This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello people and welcome to The Dreamer's Disease with myself Alex Manzi where on each episode we hear the story of someone inspirational who's following their passions and their dreams and is really out there doing something that they love because to me it is the disease of dreaming and not doing that causes us to live unhappy lives so from each episode we try to gain some wisdom and motivation. So on this episode I've actually flipped things around and I got my friend Anton from Wrinkle who they do their own amazing podcast and make their own incredible content to come on and interview me because A, we've already done an interview together on their podcast of My Story and Journey but I wanted to kind of bring that to you guys and let you guys hear more about where I'm at currently in my life, the changes and the transition that I'm about to go through and I'm going through what's coming next and kind of delve a bit more into you know my background and we spoke about my family, my upbringing, my school life all the different work and jobs I've had and what I've learned from those, the different projects I've worked on and how I've kind of found myself in this position where I am currently. And I felt that's really important because I've had messages over the whole course of this podcast from you guys asking to hear about my story, really. So I felt like now was the time to do that. As as I said, I'm in this real transition and it felt like the time had just come together perfectly for this episode 50. Yeah, I, I hope that you guys can really get more of an insight into that and sharing this message and this positivity and this motivation and this inspiration and kind of understanding more about why I'm beginning to do what I'm going to go on and do in my life and bring to you guys and hopefully you guys can all get involved in some capacity because you know you guys mean everything because you're the guys who do take on board this podcast and the content and the videos and everything and you know we have messages in the dms and emails and everything so I fully appreciate you guys and I love you guys more than you will ever know so I do want to thank you for listening and do make sure you hit that subscribe button and head over to iTunes, leave a review so I can get to know what you guys think about the podcast. And also make sure you do contact me, hit me up on Instagram at IamAlexManzi or at the underscore dreamersdisease and let's have a conversation because that's what I'm all about. So without any more further ado, let's jump straight in and for once hear my story. One, One thing I was interested in when I was on the way in, I was thinking episode 50, these things don't make themselves I know that it takes yeah. a bit of work. So it's cause to celebrate and, and acknowledge that you're 50 episodes in. Yeah. But how do you negate that feeling of achievement with a feeling of you've still got stuff to do? Like this yeah. is this is just part um, of the journey. Like what do you allow yourself to celebrate? Yeah. Well, do you know what? It's funny because I'm really... I'm like at one complete end of it, I guess, of the scale I'm, or the spectrum, whatever it is. I'm kind of at the end of, I always want more. I always want to do more. I always think that there's more to come and, you know, I could be working harder or whatever. So I don't actually allow myself to sit back and celebrate or look at the success and go, mm-hmm. actually, do you know what? Everything I've built over these 50 episodes and this year and a half, whatever it may be, is actually pretty incredible when I sit back and think about it from from what was an idea to now although it's very small in the grand scheme of where I want to be it's actually been amazing and that's another reason for this is I actually wanted to sit back and kind of reflect on that whole journey because I have done like interviews and stuff like with yourself in the past and it allows me those moments to sit and reflect but I kind of like I said wanted to have it on record but also share it with the people who have kind of taken their time out to listen to to my episodes my interviews you know, and just to open up and let people hear more about my story so they can understand kind of 
why it is I do this. Yeah. yeah. All right then, mate. Well, look, let's let's go in chronological order. Let's yeah. go way back. Yeah. Let's go to when you were a kid, yeah. little manzy running around. <laughs> what were you like as a kid? I was a terror. Um, I wasn't. No, do you know, what? I wasn't that bad. I was a bit like. Um, so like, I'm 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 talking like here primary school kind of age. I was kind of, yeah, I was a bit of a terror. I was football mad. Um, I was you know naughty at home. I had a little sister, so she used to get like bullied or whatever. Like most of you know, <laughs> older brothers, old older older siblings would have done. Yeah. Um, you know, had a very good family, brought up in a in a in a lovely environment, lovely house, surrounded by incredible people not just family but like the kind of wider crowd of people that we were you know friends with through like my you know our parents friends and family friends and all that um so yeah overall like a very you know there wasn't you know I, I listened to some people and you know obviously everyone's got their own story and journey and I had a very normal yeah. kind of writing it down as part of a story kind of childhood really there wasn't really any any major incidents or anything you know that was outstanding or anything that was really terrible it was just all very you know pretty pretty normal upbringing really not get dropped or anything like that <laughs> i did get whacked on the head once when my, <laughs> my i think it was my uncle or my dad threw me up in the air when i was a baby and i whacked my head on the ceiling i knew it um so it probably explains <laughs> a few things what was what about school how did yeah. you how did you work your way through that how did you deal with school um never got on with school to be honest um I primary school you know it's kind of a different ball game because you're so young you're kind of just going through you know you go through the first four years of primary school without even realizing it's happened yeah it's just you know you're so young but in in the, the later stages of primary school I was always like one of the cleverer kids in the class um you know got like the, some of the highest kind of grades or whatever but there was always a but that came with it from the teachers, but he misbehaves, but this, but that, um, but he could work harder. Um, and it was just something about the whole process that I guess I never agreed with. And that kind of carried on into secondary school. Um, I went to an all boys school and, you know, it was great. Some of my best friends now are from, you know, people I met in school. Um, but just the whole process of school, I never got on with and never enjoyed it. I never it just wasn't for me like the whole sit down in a class listen for an hour learn in inverted commas then you sit down and you have to do an exam which is basically just a memory test and it yeah. just it didn't really play to my strengths which is i learned by doing yeah and by did you know out. that then no i uh, no, not at all but i wasn't good at like art or those kind of doing type of yeah you know like pe i was good at because i was sporty but that was about it i wasn't like naturally good at art or anything like that i was just more of i'm a practical learner like i will learn by physically having to do something or having to go out my way to try something to then learn and then build from there whereas like sitting down and reading yeah. through books and textbooks and you know essays and stuff it's just so when you when you're going when you're you know making your way through school and you're not quite getting on with it were you worried? Were you thinking something was up with you? Um, or? Not really. I just I just knew that I wasn't really with it. And I wasn't really... I just, just didn't like the whole system, really. Um, I think my parents were probably more worried than I was. Yeah. Um, and there was times where, you know, I would, I would pretend to be ill so that I wouldn't have to go to school. And I could just stay home and chill in bed and watch TV or play computer or whatever. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was worried. I was still getting fairly okay marks. Like my GCSEs were like B's and C's. Um, then my A-levels I got, by this point I'd actually really given up on school. So my A-levels were D-E-U because yeah. I really didn't try because I already knew in my in my mind I wasn't going to university. So I really didn't try. I, I probably even messed about even more, even though I was like older and, and you know, I guess more mature in a way. I did that exact same yeah. thing. I feel like in school, I don't know if it's changed now. It's mm. been a few years, hasn't it? <laughs> but um, that GCSEs, you can get through them without too much work yeah. you can sort of still have a laugh and mess about yeah, yeah. and get through them and then you stay on and you do your a-levels and that's just like another step that if you're not if you're not on it yeah you're not gonna do well yeah. do you know what i mean yeah but do you know what it is as well for me it's like that the whole school system for me is faulty right because i started secondary school in 1999 september 1999 right so that is almost 20 years ago which is a long time ago in in reality right yeah but the things that I was learning that was on the curriculum and the way the classes were set out in that time are exactly the same as they are now, 20 years later. Is it? Actually? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I can't, I can't imagine they're learning about anything too different. Yeah. They're still learning about Pythagoras' theorem yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, what makes up H2O and, yeah. you know, all these things here, which is great. But in reality, how much has the world changed in that 20 years? And are the kids in school having to learn in accordance and adapting to the way the world has changed. I don't, from what I know from, you know, people who I know who are currently just going, gone through their GCSEs. Yeah. Like it's fairly similar to when we would have started school. So that tells me a lot about the school system, how it's very archaic, I think is the word I want to use. Yeah. And it's what like, would you, what would you, like, what would you change if, there were, if you could have a, a bit of a magic wand and just maybe... <laughs> I think, Adapt I think something. just the way that people learn, I think, and what they learn, like, I think what would be great is if they're actually teaching people life skills, you know, when you like, when you leave school, kids don't know how to do interviews, they don't know how to complete a CV, they yeah. don't know how to do their taxes, they don't, you know, all these things which at one, at one stage in their life, they're going to need to do, and they're pretty important compared to Pythagoras' theorem, which... Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what it was about. And I yeah. probably spent three months stressing over trying to remember it for an exam. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's just things like that, just like actual things that are going to help you in your life in the long run and not just from a topical point of view. It's great if you want to become a lawyer or an archaeologist or, you know, whatever it may be, or a doctor. Yeah, you have to go on and study further and do uni and everything. But for everyone who's just a kind of, you know, if you're going to become an electrician, what skills are you learning in school that mm -hmm. other than like maybe some one subject one day in science on connecting the battery to a light bulb or something? What are you actually learning? I think what you said there, remember, yeah, that's a that's a key thing because it. I found a lot of it was just trying to trying to remember stuff, just keep it in your mind, just yeah. long enough just to get into the exam and just try and get out, spew it out yeah. on the paper, yeah, and then straight afterwards it'd all be gone that's it's not yeah. quite and it just feels like there's there's a disconnect there between like you know the, these kids stressing about it um who are stressing about it now and you know they're getting put through all this pressure about their gcse's and it's very hard for me because i feel like saying like don't worry because you know your exams 
don't necessarily mean everything like you know they're not they are important but not that important like i managed to get in myself into a very good position without without good a levels without yeah. very good gcse's without a degree so it is possible but it's hard to say that to to kids because you don't want them to slack off on their exams because then they still have to try and do well yeah it's about it's about trying your best and if you can try your best and you know that you've given your all that's more than enough the, the result then doesn't matter because what's not true with exams is and what is true to life is that no matter what you do as long as you try your hardest and you push yourself as much as you can you can always move along and adapt and evolve as you go yeah whereas you can't in your exams because you get given this final mark and that's it you're, you're left with that you're scarred with that mark for life you can't you can't you can change it because you can go back and retake exams but no one's got time for that so you're kind of burdened with it in a way if you don't do well whereas mm -hmm. if you do well you're celebrated so it's kind of um you know it's kind of a thing of like just doing your best and knowing that you've tried as much as you can and the result doesn't really doesn't really matter because you can your life's always going to go on beyond that yeah and you can always make something of yourself beyond that yeah and something we always talk about is um, embracing failure yeah. and, and looking at failure yeah. differently to yeah. how you were taught in school. Failure was failure. Like it was... Failure was bad. Bad, yeah. It was never seen as like a good thing. Yeah. It was never... You were never taught in school. Actually, if you fail, you can learn from it and you can, you'll actually learn more by trying lots of things and failing at lots of things than trying at lots of things and succeeding at yeah. them. You know, there's a famous Michael Jordan quote, which is like, you know, I've attempted thousands of shots. I've missed hundreds of match winning games. I've, you know, missed this. I've messed up that. I've missed the championship point X amount of times. Yeah. But because I tried and tried again, I succeeded. Yeah. And you don't get taught that in school. Like failure and bad marks is seen as like the ultimate, like um, the worst thing that can happen to yeah. you in school. Yeah. You know. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit weird. What was your first taste of like the working world? Did um, that go on while you were in school or? Yes, I was 14, 15 um, and I started working on a Saturday in my uncle's delicatessen in Stoke Newington and started helping out behind the counter, stacking the shelves, serving the customers. And that for me was a hundred times the experience of being in school. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Because yeah. I was interacting with people. I was learning about stock and replenishing stock and bringing the old stock to the front and putting a new stock to the back of the shelf you know working out the numbers on um you know doing the till working out the you know cutting cheese working out the difference in 100 grams to 500 grams you know all these kind of things and you, you're learning actual skills that you're probably likely to use in life you know not even going to work in a shop but you can apply a lot of those things in general people skills for a start that that's the main thing that you know people love going into his shop is that me, my cousin, um, and the other two guys, Marco and Rick, who used to help out as well, we'd be on like rotation. We just had great people skills just from dealing with the customers. And he used to love coming in and we were nice, polite boys. We say, hello, senora. How can I help you, senora? You know, we drop yeah. in like the little bits of Italian. Yeah. And he used to love it. He used to love the whole experience of the shop. And that, I, I learned so much more, you know, and doing this work, I'm working a slog of a day, you know, like nine hour day. And then at the end of it, bang, cash in hand you know yeah. there you go so that for me was more of an experience than it was sitting in school listening to someone tell me about the periodic table yeah <laughs> you know 
be good, wouldn't it, to go back? Because I have a similar experience, especially with the people skills. Yeah. I never, because of school, and what you're told is successful and right and wrong in school. Yeah. The people skills that I I seem to have and I enjoyed, I wasn't aware that that was a that was a very that was a brilliant skill. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah, only yeah. later in life now that I've realised exactly. and the same for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't. Yeah, at the time I definitely didn't realise it 100. But now I'm like, you know, we used to joke saying it's character building, but yeah, it was kind of a half joke, half serious. But you don't really understand the impact of it until later in life. You yeah. Know? Um, so what happened? So you're in school, you're working in the delicatessen as well while you're in school. Mm-hmm. What happened after? That? What uh, happened once you left school? So I left school um, after my um, A levels at 18, and I ended up going to Brazil for four months. So there was this program called the Gap Year Program. I can't remember what it was, Global Adventures Project, I think it was. Okay. And it they came into our school and they presented to us this opportunity and you could either go to Brazil, South Africa, uh, I can't remember, America, to Camp America and India, I think were the four options. And they presented the four. And me and my friend Dario were like, that actually sounds amazing. I'd love to do that. And you had a choice. You had a first choice and a second choice. So we actually put South Africa as our first choice. It was to go to Cape Town, such a such a help out in schools and stuff. Um, and our second choice was Brazil. Mm. So um, everyone put South Africa because they looked like the most amazing one. Um, so we didn't get onto the South Africa program. We got onto the Brazil program. So we had to make a decision where we wanted to go. And once we decided, the only the only stipulation was that we had to raise a thousand pounds ourselves, um, and the rest of the money was um, what was it? You know, like not supplemented. What's the word? Uh, like a grant. A, yeah, it was it was like a grant by a guy called Jack Petty? I think it was. I can't remember if it was Jack Petty. I think it was. And um, was he just like a? Um, he was like a, a businessman from East London, and he just had like a philanthropist. A, what's yeah, 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 philanthropist. Yeah, and yeah, he basically yeah. sponsored this project so that p- kids like us. There was a group of I think thirty. I think in the end, in total, or forty maybe that went across the world, and he sponsored pretty much. 60 to 70 percent of each of our our way and we only had to raise how good is that yeah amazing sound fair it was was a a great opportunity and you know so we basically had to raise a thousand pounds ourselves we did it in various different ways and then we went off to um brazil uh for four months and we worked we did a week in sao paulo learned portuguese like and then we basically did um three months or three and a half months in a town called natal which is in the northeast of brazil and basically from there we were like working in schools. We worked in like a child's hospital, a nursery, um, a secondary school. And we just had like an amazing experience, like working with kids, um, helping out every day with the teachers. And, you know, it was just like being in a completely different culture at such a young age, even though we felt like we were really old. Yeah. It was, it was an amazing opportunity, man. It was a great experience. And then... How long was that for? Four months in total. So you've just left school and you go on onto that for four months? Yeah, it was 12 weeks, yeah. Um, and basically... Yeah, so we, we left school in like the, obviously the July or whatever, or sooner, whatever, the June or whatever it was. And we went in September, I think it was. Yeah. September, October, November. Yeah, because we came back before Christmas, I think. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. And I came back and the idea was to then get a job in like an industry, you know, doing whatever, you know, creative What were you thinking industry. then? I, was, I didn't really know like events or marketing or something in that kind of area. I wasn't really too sure, to be honest. Um, and it didn't quite work out like that. I actually didn't end up getting a job for a year. So I was doing very 
various different bits. I was still working in the, the deli on a Saturday for yeah. money. I was helping out like a family friend fit double glazing windows. I did like help that when my dad was working doing delivery driving. I was just doing bits and pieces just where I could for like a week or two weeks just to get, you know, paid or experience or whatever. I was similar, but there was, I didn't feel like there was any, well, I didn't feel any pressure then. Maybe I was stupid for just, you know, yeah. sitting back and, and letting it happen. Yeah. How, how did you feel during that year when um, you didn't have a proper, you weren't on a path yet, you were just sort of knocking around? I felt, I felt pressure in the sense that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So... I didn't know what type of job I was looking for. So I was looking for every, yeah. anything like jobs in retail. I remember I went for an interview at Gap. I went like all these different, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do and nothing really appealed. And it got to a point when my mum got so frustrated. <laughs> One morning she came into my room with a wet, uh, a wet flannel and just chucked it in my face to get me out of bed. And she was like, right, you need to get a job in the next two weeks. And I can't remember what the, the main threat was, but it was something that seemed quite serious at the time. Um, so basically I ended up then getting a job with a family friend which was in their factory and the factory was making um, uh, blank canvases for artists so imagine you go into a shop and you buy a white canvas to paint onto our job or my job was to fit the frame together cut the cloth to size and then either nail it or staple and stretch it onto the canvas and onto the frame sorry Uh, and we used to make all sorts of orders from like six inches by six inches to like three meters by three meters to like we used to supply damien hurst with like test um he used to do like test screen prints of his his artworks so he used to like order in bulk like 50 canvases for example and like you know other sort of fairly big name artists so what are you telling me your first job was in the arts industry and you worked with damien hurst <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah um yeah but it didn't feel like that at the time claim that no, no do you know what i can't i actually remember we actually got sent a Damien Hurst into the factory. Oh, yeah. It was a screen print of his skull. It was one of his skull seen it. Um, things. I've seen it, yeah. I remember it getting sent in and basically I was too inexperienced because we also used to, so basically what artists do is they, they paint their, their painting onto a, a cheap frame and then they get it re, re-stretched onto a new frame. So it's, it's basically over time the canvas loses its like tautness and it becomes like, um, slack slack yeah um so we he, we he, we got sent a damien hurst screen print and we had to 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 stretch it back onto the frame but i was too inexperienced to do it how much so will that have been worth i would hate to think really yeah thousands um so my manager was doing it and i was helping him with like watching how he did it and stuff um because when it was like a big big piece like that I'd, you know i wouldn't be allowed to do it mm. Um, so yeah, well, yeah, so basically, I helped uh, stretch one of Damien Hurst's artworks, which probably went for thousands. Nice. Um, so how long did that last? So that that job lasted two and a half years, and I I pretty much hated every day. Um, the people were amazing. Don't get me wrong, and I got a lot of, a lot of love for them, and I still see them because they're friends with my my mum and dad, and you know we always have a lot of love for each other. But the job wasn't for me, yeah. and. I got very frustrated while I was there and ended up getting myself into a bit of like a rut mentally. Um, but meanwhile, me and my friend had started up a music website and blog, um, which was kind of like my creative outlet, I guess, and his as well, because he was working in a shoe shop. Um, so that went on for two and a half years. Meanwhile, we built up this website over time. We started getting a bit of recognition within the music industry for it. Um, and then we started doing club nights off the back of it. So like regular month, uh, actually bi-monthly events every two months. 
uh, we started them off free and then we kind of started to charge three pounds then five pounds and we carried those right on up until last year we still well, we have to have a chat because we haven't done one at all in 2018 but we need to have a yeah. chat about where we're at with it but we did it straight for like seven years with pretty much one gap in between of about six months but we're doing it every two months for seven years pretty much it was pretty full on that that project that thing that you were doing with your mates yeah. i'm aware of that already and yeah it was it it was a hell of an achievement yeah. <laughs> i'm inter- i'm interested that you mentioned during that two and a half year period you got yourself into a bit of a rut yeah so like did you get that going in the middle of the rut like how did that come about because that's no you know that that's that's no mean feat getting something like that going you yeah know, it, it takes a bit of a bit of Pushing and heaving. So how did you get that going? Um, it was actually fairly straightforward, to be honest. I mean, it was obviously a lot of time and dedication to it. You know, like I was blogging. As soon as I got home from work, I was blogging. And same with, with Moz. Um, and we were both just on it all the time. Like, we were up to date with stuff. We were, like, just completely all over music. Latest this, latest that. Doing the events, promoting it. You know, sending everything to our friends. But I just, like, my headspace at the time was I was working in this factory and I couldn't see a way out and mm-hmm. I didn't know where that way out was coming and it kind of started me off on this weird it wasn't like too bad it got worse later in life um but it started me off on this slope of like I don't I wasn't going out a lot or if I did go out I would drive and I wouldn't drink or I'd go home early you know I wasn't I was locking myself off from a lot of people um I did have a girlfriend at the time as well during that period which unsurprisingly didn't work out um <coughs> So I kind of like just got to this stage where I was, I just, I was, it was like numb. It was just numb. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I was like, I wasn't really enjoying everything. I wasn't really like really hating everything. It was just like a numb feeling. So I was like, you weren't like li- properly living. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, I was going to work. I was doing pretty much the same thing every day that I didn't enjoy. I was getting paid fairly well for it. So I was getting paid weekly as well, which was great. Um, but one thing that was great about that time was because I was getting paid weekly, I was saving a heck of a lot of money. I was 19 when I started in there. I left two and a half years later, 21, 22. And the amount of money I saved in two and a half years was unbelievable because mm-hmm. at the time I was spending maximum 50 quid a week. I was saving like 200 pounds pretty much every week, every week. You know, and that adds up over two yeah. and a half years, you know. You know, obviously there was some things I would have spent money on holidays or whatever at the time, but that was just unbelievable that was the, that was one thing that you know this is why you know i always say that like, i wouldn't change anything about my life because yeah. without that two and a half years i wouldn't have learned a lot about myself but also wouldn't have been able to save the money that i did which then benefited me later down the line so sounds like that two and a half years was as difficult as it might have been at the time potentially the most important two and a half years of your life yeah i think it, it woke me up to a lot of things it woke me up to a having to do a job that you didn't really enjoy and trying to work through that be opportunity in terms of the blog and how that was being received C, you know how the importance of saving yeah um and d how time just flies man like honestly i didn't i was like i woke up one day and two and a half years had gone yeah. by it was mad like I honestly i didn't know <sighs> i just woke up and i was like i need to i need to get out of this job like yeah and that was that was the next thing i worked on was trying to get out so um, what, how did that pan out? So that came out, um, so the music blog was going quite well. I was trying to build that up and I was basically given an opportunity to 
work with a friend of uh, my cousin, funnily enough, um, who they ran an events company. So they basically, they, they, their background was they had a very successful club night called Getting Hectic, mm-hmm. two partners, um, which they then turned into a business, which was essentially an events business, which then turned into an events and marketing business. So I joined them as like their office intern um, and helped them through the Christmas period when they were doing a lot of Christmas parties for ad agencies. Um, and then after that, they kind of took me on. They, they never really took me on full time because they, they weren't really set up like that. I was still kind of like, self-employed in a way yeah i was like subcontractor if anything but i was helping them on projects and working with brands and then they split ways the partners one moved to australia and then ben um i ended up staying with and working for him with his new company which was a strictly a a marketing company and we did some wicked stuff with like coca-cola and bacardi and we did some jobs with air asia uh all kinds of stuff like just amazing stuff we built an app um which was like a bit of a mental health app um, with a guy called John Dashfield and the app was called Dashfield the Cat and it was it was way ahead of its time when I think about it now. Yeah. It was a well-being app which basically every day you'd get a notification to open the app and when you did, you had a little like positive motivational quote from... That is so far ahead of its from, time, isn't From it? Dashfield and then a, an amazing piece of art from a guy called Petty. Um, oh, really? Alongside yeah. you had two things. So like an amazing piece of art that tied into the quote right. and then a, a quote every day you'd get a notification about 12 o'clock yeah and we, we 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 sort of we put that together we launched that um and this was very early in like the app days as well man like that's why i'm like it was super ahead of its time because yeah back then no one really knew how to like break an app like this was pre like you know angry birds or whatever like seriously blowing up this is like 2010 so this is when like not 11. everyone's got a smartphone even like exactly exactly like it was we was really ahead of our time with it um so yeah that so i did that for a year and a half the getting hectic and oscar mike which was ben's company thing in total was about a year and a half two years um and i learned loads man like ben was a, really like an older brother and a mentor to me and still still is to some degree um very successful guy at what he does He's now a writer. He's got a, a wine company. Um, he's got his own consultancy company. Works with fashion brands. Like he's yeah, just amazing guy. Got a lot of time for people as well. Um, so that was another big learning curve for me. Was working in a startup. Was seeing yeah. how startup and that, having that hustle mentality and how every day, every day, every day they had to grind and work for new work, job opportunities, taking meetings, yeah. taking calls. You know, I was managing the clients. I was like almost like the account manager as it were yeah um, how were you feeling during it were you feeling like things were starting to pick up for you and stuff um yeah and no so i was still kind of on this wobbly i was a little bit less numb mm-hmm. <laughs> um but so you still went on your path still wasn't on my path like at first i was loving it because you know i was working in soho and yeah you know you're going into town every day it's exactly everything i dreamed of doing for work like going into soho going into town central london every day meeting amazing people mixing with creators and people in agencies and you know going out and having like drinks after work and networking and stuff um but then i just something just fell a bit flat and i think a lot of my time and effort and passions were going into the music blog to be honest um still i was trying to still work something into that because that was like a passion a real passion yeah, at the that time. was your thing yeah like a real passion project so still trying to work out like, what what is this going to be how can we make this something how can we turn it into a business a company yeah you know what's what's it going to be um 
and yeah, so I still wasn't quite on my path. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, and again, it's just a massive learning curve really. So just to skip forward a little bit. Yeah. I know you're, you're at one extra now. Yeah. What's your job there? So now I am the social media producer for One Extra. So I manage all their social media content, put it out across all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, make all of the kind of strategy and all, all those kind of things. They're like the whole, the whole package with their social media accounts. In between, by the way, the marketing job, I went into advertising for a year and a half. Well, I was going to say, um, how, how have you gone from that job where you're enjoying it, but you're still trying to find your path and yeah. whatever to, to getting that? So that job you're in now, which you've really enjoyed. Haven't yeah, you? yeah. So we basically we split ways, me and Ben, because he needed someone who was going to start bringing in new business, and I wasn't doing it. I was more of like a like a, I said, a manager, a ma- account manager or producer type. Um, so I, I left him, and I wasn't working for like two months. Then a friend of mine called me up, and again, my cousin was working at the agency as well, and there was an opportunity to to go and interview for a TV production role, assistant producer. Um, so I went in, they knew my old boss, Ben, because he used to work there many years ago. Um, I went what? in, interviewed, told them everything I'd done in, over the last three, four years. They really liked me, offered me the job, started like a few weeks later. And it was great. You know, I was like, meet, again, meeting wicked people, young creatives. What like, kind of organization was this? Like, uh, was it a TV station? A- like? Advertising agency. So we were right. making adverts to go out on TV um, specifically because we were the tv department yeah um so a lot of the work was working with the creatives working with production companies working with directors i was working into two producers um so i was working across a lot of different things um and it was great but again it just didn't feel like it was me um and now i'm like i mean i must have been at this stage like it would have been like 23 22 23 and again i just didn't quite feel right and this Mm. is when i got into a real slump without knowing it as well and i got into a real slump of not really wanting to do much and not go out and just was in a proper like real rut like real real dark place and felt always felt like i had this cloud dark cloud over my head and nothing ever looked rosy or great or Mm -hmm. you know um but on the outside it probably did (laughs) Did you know, were you aware of that then? Not at first. I then became aware of it. Um, I think on the outside, it looked great. And everything was saying to me, like... What's wrong with you? Like inside, yeah, what's wrong with you? Your life's good, you've got a good job, you know, good family, you got, you know, this, that and the other, you know, good set of friends. Like, why aren't you, like, you should be enjoying yourself. Why why can't you enjoy this? Um, But deep down, it was just like... black hole and it was like a real it's really hard to explain man it was like a real depression man it's like yeah. you're just waking up every day and you're just like, like i can't be bothered you were I, suffering from depression yeah, basically yeah you? it's like i really like didn't even want to get out of bed yeah and no one knew like no one knew no one could tell no one you know even i mean one of my best mates probably had an inkling but it it was hard you can't tell from the outside man and it's like my family didn't know probably to some extent to this day still don't know yeah um and i was with a girlfriend at the time and she was going through her own stuff um completely separately and we kind of you know the relationship was going okay and it got to a point where we were both just dragging each other down and the, the moment for me that was the real like 
eye-opening moment, like the lowest of the low, like, but almost like the breakthrough as well was we was in her room one day and we was arguing about, I can't even remember what, like nothing, just, you know, having like a petty argument about whatever, about us, relationship, whatever. And um, I remember I was sat on the edge of the bed and she was sat by her dresser and we were arguing and we were going back and forth. And then she just kept saying, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you saying anything? And what I didn't realise is that I wasn't actually saying anything. I was sat on the edge of the bed in silence, just staring at the floor, having the conversation in my head and not actually saying anything out loud. But it was, I kind of felt like I was having the conversation. And she just kept saying, why aren't you saying anything? Why, what, like, what's wrong? Why aren't you saying anything? And I just looked at her and I just burst into tears. And she was like, all of a sudden her mood changed. She was like, oh my God, it changed onto me in like a helpless way. She was like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I literally couldn't, I couldn't say anything. The only thing I could say was, I don't feel myself. Mm-hmm. I just kept saying that over. I was like, I don't feel myself. I don't feel myself. She was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I was like, I just don't feel myself. And I was like bawling my eyes out on her bed. Um, and then after I settled down after, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, five minutes, I'm not sure. Felt like a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I calmed down. I just explained everything that I was feeling. And, and she was really good because she'd been through a lot of it herself. And she fully understood it. And her mum bless her was a is a therapist and um we went down and we spoke to her and she put me in contact with with a therapist that she recommended um so i went to a few sessions with this lady um i think four it was in total again i hadn't told anyone no i hadn't told any of my friends my family you know to date very few people still don't know know, i've opened up to my friends about it about a year and a half two years ago um and I kind of went through this this secret uh, therapy sessions, but I just didn't I didn't get the vibe from this lady. I wasn't she was too busy like looking, trying to trying to work out what had affected me in my past, and I wasn't really down with that. I yeah. didn't really like not that there was anything to like I said. I had a very normal kind of upbringing. There was no like traumatic moment. There was nothing. It was fairly normal. So it was more for me. It was more of a feeling of like where my life was going and what was ahead of me, rather than like what had happened in the past I mean let's put, don't get me wrong it's obviously it yeah. affects you a lot the way you brought up and everything it affects you in a huge way but I was more about what's happening what's coming and that side of my life than the past because I always felt like my past was fairly fairly normal you know a realisation I've come to recently is and I don't know whether this is common knowledge like a bit of a given but I've only just come to this realisation on reflection and talking to other people yeah your early 20s is I reckon it's one of the most susceptible periods in your life to yeah. to mental health issues and yeah. depression because it's just such a critical time. And you look back at it and you think, early 20s, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're, you're at your best, you yeah. look your best, you know. But it is so difficult during that period. Yeah. And I've got a young younger cousins in at that in that age group now. And they're going, they're going through it a little bit, and and I just say to them, you're not, you. Th- this isn't just you, yeah. And you don't have to look at your past, yeah. You don't have. There has, doesn't have to be a reason, yeah. You're just in your early twenties, and it's a difficult period, yeah. Exactly. Just yeah. As, as soon as people accept that, I, I feel like it should be more common knowledge, yeah. Like people, people talk about being a teenager more for very good reason teenagers are really difficult time that's when you go through the most biological and you know they're the obvious ones yeah Yeah. like it comes out even in your skin doesn't it yeah but early 20s 
just as, if not more difficult, that, I that think. Was, that was my toughest, man. Yeah, sure. me too. 100%. Me too. Um, what experiences did you go through? I was going through a very similar thing. I I knew I wanted to be on a path or I had a, I had yeah. a, a yearning to be on a path. Yeah. I knew I had something to give. Yeah. But I just didn't know what. Yeah. And I didn't know whether I would ever find out. Yeah. And that was scary. Proper scary. Yeah. And it, that even got to periods where it was it was very, very difficult indeed. And you're thinking, you know, you're thinking the worst thoughts. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah, literally. And you're that, like, Do you know what the thing is for me that was, I found diff, the most difficult was that I did have a, I had a good job, good jobs. You know, I had a good yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, I was earning decent money. I was even still like a good job, you know, earning fairly good money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I was just like, I don't feel like there's this massive hole in me that doesn't feel yeah. like it's being fulfilled. Yeah. And I didn't know why. And that was scary. Um, and that's what really set me, you know, down and down and down. It was like, and I'm, I, I over-evaluate and overthink a lot of things. And when you get into that spiral of overthinking negativity, yeah, it's a fucking, it's a slippery slope, you know, and what's, what's the thing? Is it, um, misery loves company you know mm. and that's that's exactly what it was it was like just spiraling out of control and i've seen all these people you know going out and partying all the time and drinking every like thursday friday saturday and this and that and i was just wasn't about that life and i just want to take myself home to a safe environment you know watch tv switch on the playstation or whatever it was um and just go through that process rather than this party life because i didn't yeah. feel like i wouldn't i i I fitted in, in in that place, you know? Yeah. Because there was a gap. There was this hole. So what was... How long did the advertising, the um, the TV production role last? Uh, that was a year and a half. That and how did that come to an end? That so you, you went to the to BBC One Extra after that? Yeah, so basically from there, um, after about six months, I realised I didn't like the job, even though I was very good at it, and the company really liked me. And they put me onto a... Um, a production course, TV production course, which is supposed to go on after two years experience. They put me on it after six months. Nice. Um, and they had to fight a case for me to go on it that early. Um, cause they were really believed in how good I was. So I was very good at the job. Um, but I just didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it for whatever reason. And then Moz, who I did the music blog with messaged me one day and said, just seen this job on Twitter. You should go for it. And it was a social media role, one extra brand new job. They, no one had done it before. They just opened the role. Why did he think you should go for it? Because he knew I wasn't happy where I was. He knew that obviously I liked music, knew that I was heavily invested in social media because everything we'd done was social media based for the blog and the website. And he was like, go for it, man. So I, I looked through the job description and I f at first I was like, I don't know, man, I don't have the experience. I'm not sure. Then as I read through the job description, I kind of started to look through it like a checklist and I was like, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, I like that yeah, this is a bit of me, yeah, yeah. I thought, all right, I'm going to fill it out and go for it. So I filled out the application on the BBC Careers website. Uh, two weeks later, I got an email saying, come in for an interview and went for the interview. Um, and just, I just left everything in the room, man. I just left everything on the table, all my knowledge about music, everything I'd done with my website, all of my experience working with brands and companies, my experience of social media, what I thought they were doing well, what I thought they weren't doing well, what they, you know, what I could do to help them to do better things. Um, and then yeah they offered me the job um, <laughs> and four and a half years later 
here we are. Yeah. Uh, and it's been, it's been great, man. It's been a wicked job, you know, amazing opportunity to work somewhere where really and truly to work at the BBC is like, I mean, it's a big company, but it's a big achievement, man. For, mm. for someone who basically didn't have a degree or do well in school or ever really had the right path or found himself in the right, you know, whatever. I just did this music blog that essentially I loved doing and tried to find my way in the world and ended up, you know, with this amazing job, you know, managing social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very overwhelming at first, to be honest. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, as you can imagine, there's lots lots of amazing things that happen with it from like meeting some of the biggest artists and people and guests in the world to working on like amazing events yeah. to, you know, going to different countries to, you know, it's just been, it's been incredible, man. It really has. So yeah it's just, it's just funny how it all pans out and it kind of everything kind of led to that moment in time for me in a weird way with like my work experience my uh experience with the website and the blog um with the events like everything like that do you know from speaking to you so far yeah because it's not over yet <laughs> no um i think for me what i'm taking fr- from from your from your journey is how important side projects are get a side project do you know yeah. what i mean and it doesn't matter what job you're in and how unhappy you are in that if you get a side project that's paid off for you in so many ways because yeah. you got the the extra bits of skill set that you needed to be able to even have a chance at that one extra role yeah exactly it pulled you through and gave you that creative outlet when you're going through some really difficult periods yeah that's it's so important isn't it yeah, that's it, the best thing you ever did yeah. it kept me going man definitely especially through like the the, the darker times and the tougher times man that was the one thing that i could see light in you know it was it was a real it was something that i really like clung on to i don't know if that's the right word but you know it was hanging on to yeah quite quite a lot um and for good reason man you know it's got me into this position now where even just through doing that i've managed to gain even more experience it opened up opportunities for me in terms of work and life and even some of the people i've met outside of work um who i've come across in work you know was through the the website through the blog you know it's just opened so many opportunities and skill sets yeah you know developing a website social media filming editing uh writing interviews doing sitting down to 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 do an interview with someone all of those things it's, it's just set me in so many different ways yeah that i didn't really obviously i appreciate it but i didn't know that they would adapt over time and lead me to kind of where i am today if that makes sense yeah so when i'm speaking to like my cousins who are a few years behind us they're in like their early 20s yeah and they might be going through these little bits of ruts yeah i've said well whatever you're passionate whatever you like try and make a a hobby make a side project and that doesn't have to smash it if you're making videos and putting them on youtube and no one's watching them and you're a year in that doesn't matter because you're gaining the skills exactly it's your creative outlet yeah it's just so even if it's like you enjoy drawing like get a sketchbook and just drawing it every every night 20 minutes just draw 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 and like you don't have to show anyone you don't have to doesn't have to be a big thing it's just yeah somewhere where you can exercise that part of your brain that maybe is not getting exercised so well in your working life but you can you know just have it as an outlet like you said yeah yeah. that's so important so important isn't it what's been some of the the best highlights of the times you've you've spent uh, how long have you been there at one extra uh, four and a half years yeah that oh, has been loads man has oh, there it's been so many just like 
Were you involved? Obviously, um, Drake had in the fire. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't there. That was very recently. I wasn't there. That was recorded like three in the morning. Um, he came in at three in the morning to record it. But I was obviously involved in the process of putting it out in the world, um, like cutting the teaser videos and stuff like that. Coming up with like the one extra side of the plan, how we're gonna put it out there. Um, in terms of experiences, man, I mean, going to Jamaica, I went to Jamaica twice or been to Jamaica twice rather. That was incredible, man. Mm. Just to go to a country I've always wanted to go to and not only experience it from a, a a tourist point of view, but like really experience Jamaican culture. I mean, like going to the record studios, you know, meeting the artists, you know, being in a room. So this was a moment where I was like, oh my God, what's happening to my life? I was in a room in Bob Marley's house, old house, which is now a museum in the original Tough Gong recording studio with Damian Marley. And I was just like, this is bizarre. How big is that, that, ra- is that room? Mad. It's tiny. Tiny room. So you're in a tiny room. Tiny room. Tiny. It's mad. And yeah. then like, just being at t- the Tough Gong studio as it is now and like, artists coming through, being at like Beanie Man's house, filming an interview with him. Like, just the most like stuff that I just thought would never, I wouldn't even have thought of, you know, being yeah. possible, let alone doing it. So stuff like that, like working on One Extra Live is always like massive highlight. That's like, you know, the station's big yeah. event. One of my big babies of the every year, like working on that project, putting out all the content, trying to help sell out the tickets. Yeah. It's like last year when the tickets sold out in an hour, it was like a massive achievement, not just for the station, but also for myself because a lot of my work leads to that. Yeah. Yeah, also like, I guess, meeting people like Stormzy, you yeah. know, having conversations with him. And like, when I see him now at events or he comes in, he's always like chats, oh, how you doing, bro? Like, you good? You know, chatting to people like Kano, who I idolized as, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Interviewing Dizzy Rascal, again, I idolized him as a kid. You yeah. know, meeting people like Denzel Washington, Will, like Will Smith. It's just like, just insane stuff. Like, but it just becomes quite normal because it's like, you know, obviously like the big names like the Will Smiths and the Denzel aren't in all the time, but the artists, you know, they're constantly people in the building and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just been amazing, man. Meeting loads of people, even just not always the artists, just people in the industry as well. Like people who work at the labels, you know, all those kind of people who make all of the, the cogs move and you see how big an operation is sometimes. It's, it's impressive, man. So you, you've, you're having amazing experiences there and it seems like you were fulfilled in yeah, a lot of ways. In some way, yeah. How did, why did Dreamers Disease come about then? Um, I started to sink a little bit back into the dark space, to be honest. Um, and basically, How long into the one extra job is, is this now? Probably like a couple of years. So you've been there two years? Yeah, about that. Two and a half. No, about a year, yeah, year and a half, two years in, I reckon. Um, not that long, really? No, not really. Because I... I, I Again, I, I just felt like what was happening with One Extra and the job, it felt like a very short-term fix. And I didn't really know beyond that what I was going to do. Um, and I started to worry about that a lot. And those feelings started to come to light a lot. Um, and I just didn't feel fulfilled in terms of like, the, the job's amazing, don't get me wrong. Like it's the best opportunity I've ever had and ever been given and probably ever will. Um, but I just felt like or feel like that sometimes it's not a fulfilling role in terms of I don't feel like I'm I'm giving value the way I like to give value 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So Dreamers Disease came about because I started to see a lot of inspirational people within the industry around um, online that I was following. And I started to get a lot into podcasts and reading um, to try and educate myself further, to try and learn more, to try and like, to try and make better of myself as a person and try and understand myself better as a person. And what I started to realize was I was listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of books about big, you know, successful people in America and finding all these interviews with like successful people in America. And and I couldn't really find a podcast that I wanted to listen to that had the type of guests that I wanted to listen to on it. Yeah. Um, yes, there's music podcasts. Yes, there's this podcast, that podcast. But... I kind of like a broad scope of things. So I decided that I was going to create this podcast myself and would interview people from different areas, from different backgrounds. It didn't matter of your, your race, your religion, your sexuality, your job, whatever genre you were in, however you want to see it. But the only, the only um, stipulation was that you'd be someone who's doing something that you love. Um, you look to be, you know to me you're inspiring and Mm. you know you're building a a following or you're getting recognition for whatever it is you're doing that was the only kind of stipulation i had so i came up with the concept came up with the name dreamers disease came up with the the branding before before all before i'd recorded an episode um and then came up with a short list of people who i could contact almost immediately and sit down and try and record three or four episodes um so the first five episodes are with people who aren't necessarily close friends, but people who I knew fairly well through work or having met through friends. Um, and they were doing, you know, really interesting things within the music industry or whatever industry they were in. Um, but the the big picture is always to move on to, you know, hearing the likes of DJ Semtex, yeah. hearing the likes of The Slumflower, hearing the likes of Hussein Manawar, you know, their story, their journey, how they got into what they do. And essentially all, all I wanted to do was share these stories of how people got into what they do, why they do it, what they've learned, challenges they've faced along the way, etc. And mainly as a tool for me to learn, but then secondary to like give it to the people who to who listen and who are listening now, you know, to give those stories to people, to learn from them. And then things have kind of just evolved from there in terms of like, you know, I do the in focus sessions. That came out of an idea of like I just wanted to discuss one topic. So yeah. like, you know, I talk a lot to people about meditation. So I wanted to record an episode just on meditation and my thoughts and experiences and some ideas around it. And then I came up with an idea of like four or five different mini episodes. Um, so I just sat down and recorded them all in one day and put them out as in focus sessions and started getting some good feedback from them. So I just started putting out more and more and more, basically. Um, and yeah, just they just kind of all just developed and snowballed, man. Yeah. And then where's... Because you've got... Um, I am Alex Manzi on mm. Instagram as well, haven't yeah. you? Separate to the Dreamers disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what's going on there? Why is that? Um, well, do you know what? To be honest, like that was just always a personal page where I just put up pictures of me and my mates going on holiday, you know, dicking about, whatever, just having fun, just living living a normal life. But then something hit me that I was actually. Because with, with We Are SME, which is a music website, we always hid behind the brand. Mm-hmm. It was always the brand that we used to put for. We never put our names behind it, our faces behind it. 
people would meet us and we'd be like, oh yeah, we, we you know we do, we are SME. They're like, oh, that's you guys kind of thing. Yeah. And I realized that with Dreamers Disease, I was starting to do the same thing. And when I really sat down and worked out what my ultimate focus was, which was that I want to use this brand as it were to reach out to and help and, you know, educate or inspire or motivate as many people as possible. I realized that that was more likely to happen if they could associate a face to it and yeah. buy into my journey and my story as a person. Um, so I'd start to adapt the way that I used my personal account. How would you find it? It's not, doesn't, it's not, it's not, cause I'm doing it myself. Yeah. Um, you know, talking into a camera, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know if it's, it's weird for everyone, but it, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. At first, at least. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm still not a fan of it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's hard. Like it's, I'm, I'm not, I've never been comfortable in front of camera. Mm -hmm. Hence why I started a podcast and not a YouTube channel. Yeah. I've never kind of been that kind of person to put myself out there. It's really out of my comfort zone. I'm quite an introverted person. Um, but what I realized was, is for me to have the biggest impact possible and to help as many people as possible, I need to be doing that. Yeah. Because I need people to be seeing me almost going through that process myself to then be able to look at me as a source of inspiration to then help themselves. And that was the most important thing for me. And every time I make a video, it's not for me to get likes or comments. It's for me to have that one DM that comes in that says, I watched this today and I really needed to hear it. And thank you so much. Like your videos really helped me and they motivate me and blah, blah, blah. That's it. That, that one message, if I get that, that means the world to me. Um, more than numbers, more than anything else. Um, so yeah, to, to, that's why I started making that type of so content. So you saw it as something like you, you just sort of had to do in order yeah. to make the impact that you wanted yeah, to make. exactly. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to do it as to, to become like a famous person or to like, yeah. if that comes with it, so be it. But I'm not doing it for that purpose. Yeah. My purpose is to help and reach as many people as I can. And to be able to do that, people need to be able to reach and associate with me. Yeah. And that comes through the content. You know, if anything, I was actually sat down today with a friend and we were, I was going through his, his um, social media content um, and I was like scrutinizing it from a kind of brand in inverted commas point of view, right? Um, and what I realized is a lot of the information I was giving him, I don't do myself, um, which is yeah. like show more of me as a person um, and not just like content, 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 brand, 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 but like open up more like what you're doing with your vlog, for example, you open up more of you as a person yeah. rather than just like, you know, here's a video of something inspiring or here's an inspiring quote that I've written or whatever. So I'm trying to work on that a bit more. Something I like, something I've I've sort of hit on at the moment or that I enjoy is um, like interactions, cap capture your interactions with other people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Shaking hands, I am mate, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, I think that's quite quite yeah. cool to capture as well. Yeah. But where are you? Um, where are you up to now? So you mentioned right at the start you had yeah. like a bit of a crossroads. Yeah. Tell me about that. What's going on? All right. So what's going on, mate? So Come real on. transition because as as of recording and as of putting this episode out, um, I've quit my job, <laughs> so <laughs> I've got four weeks left at one extra, and um, the plan is to go freelance a little bit. Yeah. 
to, to con- continue offering my expertise in social media and digital and do some consultancy work, but really and truly to segue into what it is I want to do ultimately, which is build up Dreamers Disease as a coaching business and a, a life coaching business or betterment coaching, however you want to call mm-hmm. it, and start to um, take on clients myself, start to help people as much as I can and start to really work towards building up that side of a, that that business essentially um so for me it's a real like scary moment because you know as you've heard since I was 15 I've always had a job on some kind of regular basis yeah even when I wasn't working for a year I was still getting regular work um just wasn't a, a job or a career mm-hmm. so I've never jumped into the unknown like this in terms of not having a regular salary and really trying to build a business and make a living off of it. Um, So it's a real like exciting moment, but it's scary as hell. Like so scary. Uh, So I'm really like, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so excited. I honestly can't wait. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of things I need to work on and I'm working with, you know, going back to, uh, talking of John Dashfield, who's the guy we made uh, the, the app with, the oh, well-being yeah. app. Uh, he's he's an actual very successful life coach. So I reached out to him a few months ago, uh, actually but back in the last year. And we started having conversations and he's now helping me and mentoring me into life coaching and help helping me find my way and give me little bits of advice on how to get started and up and running and in return, I'm going to help him with some stuff. Um, so we're kind of helping each other. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's where I'm at, man. And it's yeah. like this real, real transition for me from, you know, a career that's always been focused in like marketing and digital and advertising and social media to now what's essentially going to be a coaching business. It's a complete... Mentor and type thing. Yeah, yeah it's a complete shift and... But it's, it's what I want to do, and like, yeah. I just I want to help people, and that's it, man. That's what I love. I love being able to help people, and if I can, like I said, get that one message that says "thank you, you've helped me" just by putting out a video. Imagine yeah. I can sit down with someone, not physically, but like over Skype or whatever. Sit down with someone and help them become literally the best version they can be, and that's my big thing. Is like ultimately, you want to try and become the best version you can, and that is stripping away all the materialistic stuff. And that's really just working on yourself and becoming the best version of you to then, you know, open up to to, to helping other people or to, um, you know, being the best you can be for other people in your life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right then. So you're at this crossroads, but I feel like you're better equipped than you've been in crossroads in your past, haven't you? Mm. But now you're so much better equipped. Yeah. Like, and you know what? Truth be told, as scared as I am about this whole freelance stuff and I was talking to my parents about it on the weekend and my mum doesn't, is not happy. She's like, I don't know where you're going to get your money from. And da, da, da. Yeah. I'm not worried because yeah. I know that it inevitably it always works out. Like it's always worked out for me in one way or the other. And I just feel I've got this real good feeling about work coming in on a freelance basis, but also this this life coaching business building up into something that is going to be something really great, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds really kind of big headed to say that, and I'm not a big headed person at all, but I just know that I'm so passionate about it and I'm so focused on it that it's going to be it's going to be great. 
I know you mentioned that you um, you read a lot and you listen to podcasts and that, and you're in a great frame of mind now. Mm. Like you're talking about this really uncertain period, but you're smiling as yeah. you're talking to me, which is boss. <laughs> I love to see that. Um, what recommendations have you got for me, mate? Like in terms of stuff to read or listen to or whatever. All right. So funny enough, you say that. So I actually put something up the other day on my Instagram. <clears throat> which was I screenshot a tweet and it was my tweet and it was seven things you should be doing daily go on you might have seen it number one no, I haven't seen it oh. s- studying so that could be reading whatever yeah. my, my version of it is reading right number two exercising try and go to the gym three four times a week days I don't go to the gym I do yoga um, Saturdays I play football Sundays more often not chill day um, number three meditation do that daily Normally in the evening, mm-hmm. um, I'll try and do it more in the morning. So I want to try and do it twice a day. Number four, contemplating. So just like reviewing stuff that's happening in your day, your life, your week, whatever. Number five, waking up early. That's really important for me. I get up early to go to the gym and it just sets the pace for my day. You know, if you get up early and you're not slumming about getting up at 11 o'clock or as late as possible, you kind of feel like you're achieving more in your day. Uh, six, eating healthy, eat a healthy diet. You know, that goes without saying. And number seven, spending time outdoors. Like, we get stuck indoors a lot. Like, today I walked. There's a station near my flat. I walked to one that's a little bit further out because I got to walk through the park. Like, just just little moments like that. Um, just take up a bit of nature. Be in the, 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 well, there's only so much fresh air you can have in London, but be in the fresh air. Um, so those seven things, man. Yeah. I think walking... Walking actually covers a few of them, doesn't it? Yeah. Walking yeah, covers the that you're not you're not being sedentary. It's it's a form of exercise. It's healthy. You you're out in the environment. Yeah, you're you out can contemplate in contemplate while you're doing it. Yeah, you can. I think um, that's what I take from the, from those things that you've just said there. Yeah, I mean, you can do a few of them at once. Like a lot of people w- would pair um, exercise and meditation because you can do yoga that could cover both options you know or you could do yoga outdoors and you're covering three options yeah. so then have to be seven separate things but just take and drink water man that's the other one I yeah. enough. drink plenty of water water's the key to life yeah. I drink so much water every day yeah and a bit of espresso as well yeah go have my coffee in the morning yeah, you gave me a nice little espresso <laughs> there proper Italian style yeah exactly um, but look I'm, I'm like I said you, you're talking with a big smile on your yeah. face about this really uncertain period. So I'm excited for you, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, and I'm very grateful that you've asked me to do this. Yeah. It's, it's an honour. So and I appreciate it, man, you. because, you know, I wanted to do it and I wanted, I wanted it to be with someone who who knows me and gets me. And, you know, although we only met a few months ago, we've kind of spent a lot of time together. So it means a lot, man. And, you know, I've got a lot of plans in place for like the next six months. And what I really wanted to do is give people like a picture, as I said at the start, of where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, what I've done, how I've got to this point. Yeah, and you know what's going to come and I'm really excited to kind of build up this coaching business and people will start seeing more from it in terms of um, content um, in terms of events in terms of programs and plans um, I want to start doing more like group discussions mm-hmm. I want to start doing more um, like online webinars seminar type things as well as having like one-on-one clients as well you know there's there's different kind of levels to it yeah um and i got a few big goals that i want to achieve as well which probably won't be within a year but just down the line 
and I feel like right now I'm in such a good headspace. And not every day is great, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not like walking around on cloud nine every day. I still have days where I'm, I can be low, but, you know, whereas it used to be nine out of 10 days, it's now maybe three out of 10, Yeah. you know, or two out of 10. Um, but those three might be three days in a row or whatever. But yeah, just, I feel like... But you've spent years working it out so that you can get to this point. Exactly. And I feel like, and this is what I tell, I, I, I was at work the other day, right? And we had a, a big group of youngsters in, 16 to 18 year olds, 19 year olds. And at the end, we got to chat to them, do a bit of networking. <clears throat> and I basically just said to some of them, look, they were 19, 20, and they were like worrying about, you know, this, that and the other and getting a job. And I said, you know what? I said, if I was you, I just enjoy the next five years. Mm -hmm. Like, do what you have to do, what you want to do, when you want to do it. Because my life is just getting started at thirty. Yeah. And basically, everything I've done up until this point has got me here. But I feel like it's just starting. And you know, they're looking at me like I'm old because I'm thirty and they're nineteen. Yeah. But like realistically, and this this thing that you know, I'm a big Gary V fan. He says it all the time that you can spend your whole twenties doing whatever you want whatever you want do whatever you want travel like do fun jobs like do whatever it is you want to do and then when you get to 30 you've still got like 10 15 20 years to really like put a big picture plan in place yeah. and that's something that i've tried to like focus on um and obviously like hitting 30 this year well actually last year in november was a big deal mm. because i always thought oh man that's gonna be so depressing <laughs> hitting 30 getting old but I hit 30 and I've never felt better, man. Like, honestly, physically, mentally, I was sort of building up to it for like a year and a half, <laughs> to be honest. Because obviously, you know, it's coming when you hit about 28. It's within reach. Yeah. Um, so I said to myself, this is this is actually where a lot of the journey started was when I was 28. Tw yeah, 28-ish. And I said to myself, right, I want to hit 30 in the best possible condition I can be in. And that didn't just mean physically, that meant mentally, emotionally, everything. Mm -hmm. And this was before Dreamers Disease was even a thought, to be honest. Yeah. Like, and I've really worked hard over those two, two and a half years on myself, first and foremost. And now I've got myself to this position where I can sit down and do things like this and say it with a smile and not feel guilty about my past choices or my past state of minds or my past experiences. Mm -hmm. But just know that it was all a learning curve and that, you know, life is full of ups and downs. It comes round, it goes round and round and round, but essentially it like keeps moving and keeps going forward. So for me and what my coaching is going to do is help people see that. And this is what something that I wanted when I was going through that dark time was having someone who could help me see what I could make of myself from a like from to make myself the best version I can moving forward not looking back at the past but going actually you're at this point you're at point a you want to get to point b this is how we're going to get you there and we're going to work together on that and I'm going to yeah. be dedicated to helping you make that as long as you're dedicated to taking on board the things that we're going to do and work on together and that's it man like <clears throat> that for me is more important than anything right now yeah you know so what's the next what's the next salute then what, what should we keep our eyes open for um oh man so 
so I've got a live show coming up. Oh yeah. Which is next week on Wednesday, which will actually would have happened by the time this this would have would have happened the day before this podcast comes out. Live show with my friend Megan Roxanne, who's co founder of the Good Quote. Should Amazing. we just say it was brilliant, went really well? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. so good, wasn't it? <laughs> so that's that's coming up. Um I've got another live show coming up in September time. Um which I've already kind of announced, but I'm gonna do a proper like announcement with like the guest and you know how to get tickets and the rest of it um what else opportunities to have consultation coaching calls with me so they'll be free of charge mm-hmm. um probably a couple of sessions just to get a feel for each other if we can work together that's it man i still put out my weekly newsletter so you haven't signed up for that make sure you dm me on insta get in contact and i'll sign you up more podcasts more interviews more videos that's it, man. Just putting more work into this to this thing and keep trying to build on the kind of momentum and the platform that's already here. Yeah. Well, look, it's... So what you've achieved so far, these 50 episodes and all the other stuff, it's just... It's sick. It's amazing, man. I, I love quite, it. I find it so inspiring. Yeah, thanks, so man. I can't wait to see... Yeah. I can't wait to see where it progresses to next, mate. Same. Like, I'm like, really looking forward to it. And it's like... It's as equally scary as it is exciting, but... The excitement is what I'm holding on to more than, <laughs> than the scared bit at the minute. Um, so I just feel like it's, it's going to be an amazing journey. And that's it. I'm, I'm looking at it as a journey now. And I've, I've got like this year, two year window in sight to, to really make it a full time thing. And in the meantime, I'm going to pick up those freelance bits of work. Yeah. I just want to start working with people as much as I can as soon as possible, man. And I'm going to start taking on those consultation calls within the next like week or two. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a good place to start. I've done enough reading and enough educating myself and talking to John, who's, you know, said is helping me. Yeah. Um, I've done enough interviews and podcasts to hear, like, what state of mind and, pe- you know, people have to have and to, to, to really enjoy themselves and live this this amazing life that we have. So I feel like I'm, I'm in a good place to sort of help someone to get to that. You know, I've had to do it myself. I've had to almost coach myself in that. So I've got that first-hand experience in a way, but now I want to just get the experience in working with someone else. Yeah. And helping them. Yeah. Sick. All right then, mate. mate? Well, how how do you feel about that being interviewed? Great, man. Like, I'm not... It's so funny. I say it all the time. Even though I've got a podcast, people who do listen regularly know that I'm not a massive talker. Yeah. I do a lot of the talking on the podcast. Um, even on the in focus sessions man I keep them really short and to the point yeah so like, I don't mind like being able to share my story because it's a part of me and who I am and how I've got to here and you know hopefully it can inspire someone but mainly man it's just wanna, I want to get out this message man this dreamers disease message this this positivity this, this motivational thing this you know becoming the best version of yourself um, and just working on that man and just trying to like Help people as much as I yeah, can. Yeah, get it, get the message yeah. out there. All right, lad. Sound, uh, mate. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you. Keep, keep your eyes listening. peeled for the for the um, the next stage of yeah. the dreamers' disease. Yeah, there'll be. I mean, I'm not going to do any like official announcements, I guess. But um, if you are interested in getting involved, or you want to have a chat or a conversation, interested in coaching, then DM me at I am Alex Manzi, um, or you can just go to my page and you can message me or email me or whatever um and yeah we'll go from there we'll start we'll open up a conversation and we'll start from there and see how it goes and 
yeah yeah see what the future holds man i'm excited nice one alex cheers mate so there we have it guys i hope you enjoyed that one that was my story big big love to anton do make sure you go and check out wrinkle which is w r i n k l e wrinkle with two eyes go and check out their podcast they cover some amazing stuff and talk to some incredible people and they're really building a, a community of people around what they do which is incredible to see but i hope you took a lot from that and you got a bit more of an understanding about me and my story and this journey that i'm on and this next step i'm about to take on that really really am excited about i really can't wait to, to kind of get going in this coaching world and start to be able to work with people and help people essentially as i said that, that's it that's all i want to do is i want to help as many people as possible so this is the first step in this new journey and this new path of me being able to do that so i thank you for listening let's open a conversation so make sure you do hit me up on instagram or twitter at i am alex manzi let's have those conversations but more importantly make sure you're going out there and chasing your dreams this podcast is produced by unedited